Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's funny, I saw um, a thread on Twitter the other day from an Arsenal fan saying, we're probably the uh, club with the best knee slides. And I was thinking, uh, you know. Liverpool Liverpool hoist up their European success. Manchester United, obviously, their dominance. Chelsea, of course, won the Champions League. (laughs) Arsenal fans. We've got the best knee slides in the business. <laughs> they, 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 they don't get to do that many of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. In, fa- in fairness, Aubameyang probably wouldn't have a bar of it either, would he? No. So, you know, pointless really. Mustafi does the best knee slides. Liverpool not that happy about what happened in Madrid. And it's been such a long time since they've lost that we've almost forgotten that Jurgen Klopp, the Jurgen Klopp of the touchline at Napoli um, when he was with Dortmund is... Not a happy loser. I mean, no. of course, there's that classic phrase about you know, show me, show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. But nevertheless, um, Liverpool's nose is way put out of joint by what happened in in Madrid. But for those of us who watch Atletico on a regular basis, David, I don't know. I didn't see this coming. I didn't really think they had this sort of performance. Not just the grinter, but the discipline. Did uh, where did it come from? I think. The big occasion. I think galvanising themselves for the big occasion. I think the, the great thing about Atleti when they were at their peak at the Powers was they would play a Tercera division, a third division team in Spain in the Cup and have exactly the same approach as they would <laughs> face in UV in a Champions League semi-final. Yeah. Bayern, you know? um, and that isn't there right now. They Their level only increases against the bigger teams. Even then, they they still fall short. So this performance did come out of nowhere. You know, obviously, they still you can't completely write them off. And I think Klopp was keen to do that before the game. But they keen went to, keen to not write them. Yeah, off. keen to not yeah. write them off. Yeah, and I think that was tactical on his part because I think he didn't want them to go into the game feeling like the underdog. And they did exactly that. Atleti are at their best when they are true, well and truly the underdog. Now, I brought this point up before, but I think they have an identity crisis. They don't know whether they're an elite side or whether they're an underdog side, like mm. trying to fight the elite. Um, and I think they went into this game written off so much. So you think both the form and the current injuries kind of played for them in this situation? Absolutely. I think they... they 
they feed off things like that. They were looking at all the press before that, and and they thought, right, look, let's just write, let's have one big performance, let's write this off again, you know. And you saw the celebrations, you saw what it meant to the players as well. Robertson was uh, criticising them at full time about saying, look at the way they celebrated. The reason they celebrated like that is because it's been a long, long time since they had a performance like that. They were like, they were doubting themselves. That's another part of the problem is they have been doubting themselves. They won that game, and after they thought, wow we've still got about us. We can still do this. We can still impact the elite. We can still rustle people. And my word, Liverpool have been rustled. Now, we, we know the Wanda Metropolitano is a special place for Liverpool, of course, because mm. they went and won the final there and that was the first time they'd been back there since they won it. Um, but is it on the road to becoming a special place for Atletico? I mean, you talked about the identity crisis. That has been part of the problem because... Simeone always very self-consciously when he talked them up before big European matches, he'd talk about how we're, we're the guys from the barrio. We, yeah. we, we represent this, this area. We represent the working man. When you take them, what, 15 kilometers away to somewhere that's a beautiful facility, but has absolutely nothing in common with the Calderon, apart from Atletico playing there and the seats being in, mm-hmm. in, in red and white, that's something tricky. I mean, and it's interesting as well what Simeone was saying after the game. And I know it's just a, a great quote, but when he, he talks about how the bus came around the corner from uh, the roundabout and they could see down and, you know, everyone's seen the pictures on yeah. social media of all the, the, the fans with the red flares. And he said, that's the moment that I knew we'd won the game. Mm-hmm. And also Saul afterwards saying, you need these moments to make it from a good stadium to home. Yeah. Is is this something that's that's going to help them make that transition? I'm not too sure many clubs have uh, actually taken their new surroundings in the way that Atleti fans have. On a, on a big night, the the fans really really get behind them, and the noise just really stays in. And, and please mind the the pun because of the old stadium, but it is like a cauldron. Yeah. And and the not in the way Simeone whipped everybody up. I know he does this all the time, but. I, I, like you said, I, I think he could sense something special. So he was a bit more animated than usual. And he really, really went into the fans and the fans gave it back and, and it, it created. And that was a big part of it. I know it's such a cliche line, you know, the, the fans, you know, you know, won them the game. But you know, they really pushed that lady over the line. I mean, they have gone big on drinks offers as well since they moved there. We have, we have to say that too. But um, Saul, he's yeah. a player who's, I, I think he's a unique player really because you you look at him and you think, if you go back to, as you say, Adeletti's absolute pomp of a couple of years back, mm. I think you look at him and he's the one guy in that side who both Barcelona and Real Madrid would unconditionally yeah. want. I think he's technically gifted <clears throat> and also he's a very, very intelligent player. Tactically, yeah. um, he, he's superb. He, he play, That's why he plays in numerous positions. He's played at left back uh, quite a lot. He's played right yeah. way. He's played at, basically, he's played everywhere, but goalkeeper. Um, and I think if you told him, look, a black's out, you're going to have to go in goal, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he'd probably give you a 7 out of 10. And it, I, it would have been fine doing that on, yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, actually. exactly, because Liverpool did absolutely nothing. Um, but, yeah, I think with Saul, he's, it's also, you know, you, you speak to opponent fans and they're probably like, is he the one who has suffered the most under Simeone's system? Yeah. When he is liberated, he's such a different player. I remember watching him in the Euro under-21s. Uh, he was given a different role then and he was more of a, just this roaming central midfielder. He joined the attack. He was a bit of a box-to-box type player and he was fantastic and he looked really, really happy. And I think, I see him sometimes at Letty and he doesn't look happy and I think he could potentially give a lot more in a different role but he's just so happy to to be that type of player that that general I think since Gabby's left they needed that general and Saul is happy to be that general assume that role I mean you could say the same thing about Koke really. yeah Koke, you know, absolutely there's there's been that instruction from the coaching staff that don't want him to run as much because he's the one who's meant to have the clarity isn't he to to make the passes when he when he was coming up he was touted as being um a, a Xavi type yeah, he was going to be the next. He was going to be Xavi's successor for Spain, and people say, "Oh, he's going to go to Barcelona as well." But he's gone completely a different way in terms of the player. There is he does so much running, he does so much hard work instead of just sitting, maybe stringing the team together. He doesn't really do that. He's not that type of player, and I still don't think people truly understand that about Cookie. Yeah, that's that's true. But are these not both Saul and Cookie are players who you look at and you think? Actually, do you not think midfielders like that would actually want Atleti to play more expansively sometimes? I think secretly a lot of the players do. And, and funnily enough, when Rodri moved to Manchester City, it was one of the first things he said uh, when he moved. He said, look, uh, and he told them privately as well, he wanted to play a different brand of football. Mm. He what, felt what he can do is not valued at Atleti. 
Atletico, is it? No, absolutely like, not. Like keeping like eighty-six mm-hmm. percent of the ball or whatever. Yeah, it, it, he, he just doesn't really fit. They they much better off with maybe a destroyer mm. or that type of player, a stopper type player in midfield. Whereas Rodri wants to use the ball, initiate moves. But you, you could argue that's this kind of the wrong day and the wrong pod to have this discussion in because they have just had this uh, tremendous victory in Europe, yeah. playing proper Simeone football. Yeah. Mm. But you still look at this squad and just this identity crisis you mentioned. Like they've spent a lot of money now. Yeah, like uh, you, it's weird to sit there with like Tom Alemar who they spent a lot of money on uh, while Felix when he's fit they spent a ton of money on Diego Costa was a weirdly expensive deal for them Morata's not going to come free like they've, they've, they've spent proper money and this idea that they have to they have to graft their way to the top just isn't valid anymore because they can afford to sign top tier talent I think really this kind of gives them the excuse though, doesn't it? Playing against Liverpool. It's not just the current injuries and stuff, mm. but I don't see how people can get stuck into them over this because no. like, like, if you beat Liverpool, you beat Liverpool. I don't, will, I, it doesn't matter how you do yeah, it, exactly. right? They're and, the best and, team in Europe. Yeah, yeah, and they were largely positive. They had other chances that game. They could have scored yeah. more. Um, you know, they weren't completely parking the bus. I don't. They defended well. They defended in units. But, and I know people will take screen grabs and say, oh, look at how many people Aleti had behind the ball. What do you expect? They're going to do when they don't have the ball. Mm. But they did attack. They did look to score more goals and they could have had more. They started, they started with Tom Alemar on the wing. I mean, that, that's not something they do every game anymore. And Simeone is playing him up front a few times. He's, he's mm. going through the full Ferreira Carrasco, which is sort of Simeone initially doesn't fully trust him to play on the wing, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Him up front, yeah. Uh, exactly. I remember a Copa del Rey game and, and Carrasco didn't uh, track back or he gave up halfway through when he yeah. thought that I think he was only sprinting against Eva Benega, who was hardly <laughs> <laughs> the quickest of players. And apparently that was the moment that Simeone like, just lost and said, right, you know, I want him out. He, he, <laughs> He's been here two years now. He doesn't understand what exactly I want. Well, you know, at least he didn't end up in an Arda Turan situation. All's well that ends well for Carrasco, and I'm sure it will for the for the rest of the season. Um, let's go over to Dortmund. I was there on Tuesday night, and funnily enough, when we talk about Atletico smothering a, a, a prodigious attacking teams in in numbers. Mm. Dortmund did that. We'll come back to how Dortmund dealt with PSG in a moment, but yep. there's only one possible <laughs> headline. You're in the room. I don't want you to smother me. So well, 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 take not, it, I'm take it gonna, away. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> We can play the whole. I've, got, I've saved this because I might want it for ringtone purposes. Uh, see, there we go. You repeat that over the, and over. The net it's rattle is special, isn't it? The net it? rattle yeah. is very good. And uh, and, and there were, there's something very uh, satisfying about watching someone just hit the ball as hard as they can <laughs> for it then to, to go in the top corner is very good. But it, it, was, it was an interesting performance from Holland in the sense that he wasn't that good for a lot of the game, uh, which is an absurd thing to say when you've scored two goals in the Champions League round of 16 game against PSG, but but it is nonetheless true. I mean, you were there, I'm sure you'll have seen it, because, I mean, he is still, uh, as bizarre as it may sound, he is still a work in progress in a lot of ways. And he's, he's learning to play with a, a new team. I mean, when you see that intuitive relationship between Sancho, Hakimi, Azar, he's not there yet. He doesn't quite know where to put himself. And of course, when you're a striker, if you're scoring goals, never mind that many goals, it does paper over the cracks. Mm. People don't actually look at what you're doing if you're scoring goals. Well, it's, it's an odd one because this is the old cliche that oh, I put in the ball and that's just the hardest thing in football. You know, so I'm, not, I'm not sure that's always true, but, but it's certainly there's a reason why strikers are go for a lot of money. Like consistent yeah. goal scorers are one of the most highly priced assets in the game. But you can also, as a striker... You don't actually have to be great at the football. You just there are certain qualities you have to have, and if you look at Holland, I mean, he's obviously freakish physique. And the fact that he's got the size and and the pace. I mean, I mean, you you'll have seen the memes already yeah. Yeah. Of, that, of that massive run he made. He combines that with some pretty smart movements around the box. You'll notice whenever someone puts a shot in, he's moving, uh, sort of sniffing the spill from the goalkeeper before it happens. It's a sort of old striker thing. You should go for a possible rebound, not for the rebound. And, and he does that very consistently, which I think for a young man is, is impressive. And uh, and of course, he's a, he's a good a good finisher when he gets the chance. Now, there's a lot that that needs to get better and better with his uh, with his game. But I think he's he he's still really hard to stop. I mean, we. We talk about this run. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about his father, inevitably. Yeah. Uh, but his mom uh, was also a, a Norwegian septathlon uh, champion. Right. Okay. Uh, which is the sort of athletics event. Off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure the septathlon. Is... I'm going to say there were seven events involved. In well, it. yeah, Andy, that's very good. <laughs> I think it's a 200 meter sprint. 
is a 100 meter hurdles. Okay. I think it's an 800 meter. And then it's the shot put, the long jump and the high jump. I'm pretty sure that is it. And so, I mean, to be very good at that, you have to have quite a rounded sort of uh, physique, I suppose. Well, what, what I find interesting about him is he's very, very graceful. I think what's so, I think, difficult to take in about Holland, and I guess it must be different for him as well because he's had that growth boost. I mean, David, I, I sort of compared him to, to Kevin Durant, um, yeah. the, 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 you know, one of the greatest basketball players on the planet. Someone who was six foot two until he was 18 mm-hmm. and then ended up being, what, six foot nine. And so Holland is, is similar after that growth spurt, I think, because he's got all the skills of a smaller guy. And I think really the way he plays isn't like a, a target man type striker at all, is it? But yet he's got the size where people find him very difficult to deal with. I mean, you know, we've talked about that sprint. I, I don't think it's just the speed last. I think it's the fact that when you see him move, and I've seen him in the flesh quite a few times now, he's not he's not busting a blood vessel to make those runs. He's almost got the, a similar grace to Thierry Henry. You know how Thierry Henry, I'm not saying he's quite as fast. He strides. Yeah, yeah. He, he like glides across yeah. the pitch. And, and it's something slightly freakish about watching uh, that large an object move at that speed. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. when, exactly. You're at, when you're at the airport and like the A380s take off, it's like this thing looks too big to be in the air. Like the, phys- <laughs> the physics of it is, is really hard to calculate in, in your head. It's the similar stuff with, with Holland. I, I have sneakily looked this up, by the way. Is the heptathlon I got confused because of the seven, because it's seven, and in Norway we call it true camp, uh, which is a much better name for it anyway. Much better, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that's what his mum was really good at. So yeah, good genes, good genes all around. Of course, Eden Hazard's mum was better at football than his his, his dad was. Oh, and uh, the first goal, the first goal he scored, she always says, is when he was like, I don't know, four months off being born because um, she she scored a goal when she was pregnant with him. Uh, more than one goal, I think. She was a good player. Sander Berge, Sheffield United recruit Sander Berge. Both his parents were international standard basketball players. Is that right? Yep. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So how did he end up playing for Sheffield United? <laughs> but it, 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 he's not quite as tall as his brother. His brother plays basketball. He's even taller than Sander Berge. Ah, he's, yeah. the, he's, the, he's the small one. Interesting. I'm sure Thomas Tuchel would be happy for us to talk about basketball. Yeah, or, or, no, or, or, I mean, I'm sure that's, that's the outcome he would have wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but, but David, um, he's been compared to Pep Guardiola so many times. Mm-hmm. Did he do a Guardiola and overthink it by going three at the back? I think... Some of these coaches who pin themselves up as, as philosophers or who the media or the fans, whoever pins them up as philosophers, I think sometimes they, they read up to that too much and, and they play up to that. You know, we've seen Guardiola over the years come into a Champions League game, make an inexplicable decision, whether, you know, put somebody at left back or, or change the system. And I think Tuchel did exactly the same. He, he He's worked on a particular style for, for several months now. And then he, for their biggest game of the season, arguably, he goes and rips it up. And he's been and done this before, hasn't he? I think if yeah. you go back to the first season at Dortmund when they're unbeaten, they're top of the league, mm-hmm. they go away to Bayern, he switches to three at the back and they get absolutely hammered 5-1. And it's remarkable to me how you get top-level coach, elite coaches who have these, we talked about it on Jules and Andy a couple of weeks back, these sort of repetitive patterns yeah. of, of, of behaviour. But, but he justified this, but he justified this, this change in system. And I couldn't believe this. He said, oh, it, it worked against Dijon. I mean, and I was like, I was like, what? Did I see that right? <laughs> no, but I, I think you, tactically you can look at it and think if your fullbacks are, Munir is okay, I guess, but like Kurzawa on the left flank there. And, and you know, like Kurzawa defending against a right flank of Hakimi and Sancho. If you're a coach, that makes you worried, right? That's that's not a, a like a bizarro thing to, to think that, that actually... Does that explain the change? He wants a bit well, of extra Well, this is what I'm thinking, there, yeah. If you, add, if you add another centre-half to the mix, basically, and say Kurzawa, the, the whole defending thing, we'll, we'll try to help you out with that because you're clearly that's not what you're good at. Mm. And uh, mm. yeah, I mean, th- there is a certain logic there, but but you're right, like, changing formation for a game like this is, nope. is dicey. And I, th- I think there was confusion in the middle. I think, I think it was the midfield in, in the centre where they, they lost it the most. I think there was such a, the level of confusion there between Verratti and mm. Gay was just incredible. I mean, it's funny because that feels like one of the big areas of progress that they've made. Yeah. So do you think taking Marquinhos out sort of muddies the waters a little bit? Absolutely. They should have kept that and then you've got this nice nucleus there and I think Verratti and, and Gay, they know that Marquinhos is always going to be there behind them. Yeah. He's going to be picking the ball up off the defence. He's also going to be moving it into them. 
whereas it looked like Gay and Verratti were, were were looking at each other, kind of like, all right, who stays, who goes, who, who's collecting here, who's who's joining the attack here, and it just and then Neymar was dropping back in this sort of quarterback role. He was flicking these little fiddly passes over the top of the defense, and mm. it, it just all looked very confused and too many people in the middle. Um, in the end, is that is that testament to how well Dortmund's back three worked that Neymar had to go deeper to find the ball? I think. I think don't get me wrong. I think Dortmund did well, did well, but I think PSG were masters of their own doing. Yeah, yeah really. Um, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from Dortmund. They were spectacular to watch when they come forward. Um, but I think PSG again created a lot of problems for themselves. And at the end, they really bossed it in midfield as, as well. Yeah. Dortmund didn't yeah. they? Emre Can was Can really proving his worth there because that has been an issue with Dortmund this season. I mean, they've been a little bit unbalanced. And when you go into the season with like Axel Witzel as the most defensive of your midfielders, it's it's not ideal because he's, he's he's not exactly David Batty, is he? Well, they were superly so it's, reliant it's, on him. Yeah, great it, comparison. It, by it, what? <laughs> well, well, he's he's not David Batty. Crucially, if I was making a comparison, <laughs> I would be insane. But uh, adding someone who's a little bit more defensively minded next to him, I think, is is very clever because it frees uh, frees Witzel up a little bit uh, as well. To and I wonder if if, if Thomas Delaney's injury absence has been an issue there because he's someone who also gets around the pitch in a sort of slightly more defensive type uh, way. But anyway, they, they they did look a lot more solid. And I thought, to be honest, I thought the first half of this game. Um, I'd flag this up as one where you had to like bring your abacus and all this sort of thing, but mm. it, it felt a little bit like, I mean, PSG know this this double header is their season, right? If they go yeah. out now, their yeah. season is over. Dortmund know that their defense is, is 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 a bit bad, and you're coming up against Neymar and Mbappe. So they did look a little bit cautious, I think, for for large parts of the game. Yeah, two teams yeah. that were a little bit afraid of cocking up. I thought watching it on the TV. Anyway, did you get that sense in the stadium? Yeah, I, th- I think I did actually. Um, it was a lot more cagey than, than than you expected, and Dortmund. I think they had. In their mind, I mean, you know, we go back and think of when Mbappe last played at Westfalen. It was in 2017. It was the day after the bus attack, of course, and whether that game should have gone ahead, of course, that was it was totally overshadowed by that. But I think you look at the way that Mbappe profited from a high line there and a few defensive gremlins. They were determined for not that not to happen yeah. to them again, so they, they dropped. But you talked about um, Paris being overcautious. I think it's very interesting. This time last year, or slightly later than this time last year, Thomas Tuchel was throwing his players under the bus and saying, this always happens to you. It's nothing to do with me. (laughs) This time, Tuchel and Neymar joined forces to throw PSG's medical staff under the bus because Neymar came out afterwards and dropped his little bomb of saying, well, look, I've been fit to play for the last four games. It's been tough not to play for the last four games. It's come out. And of course, the, the club was scared that I would get injured, but I've got no rhythm when I come out for, for this game. I mean, could we see the fact that quite a few of those PSG players were lacking a bit of rhythm? Yeah, I think I think potentially I think that was another factor as well. But I think it's just the deflection tactic from the fact that I think Tuchel actually messed up in that game big. Um, and I think that I'm not surprised that he wanted to say that and target other people, other things. It's, you know, like you said, he's targeted his players, his own players in in the past before to his detriment. And of course, talking is not really working out for them, is it? Because uh, Marco Verratti again has got himself suspended for the second game, but for back chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that the, is the, Verratti gone a Verratti, yeah, I think. But, but this is a problem. For sure. This is a problem he's never, ever gotten over. He does this every year. You keep hearing about, oh, Verratti's really matured this year. <laughs> and then he goes in a big game, he goes and does something, like, and he might not play again now for the rest of the, uh, in the Champions League. Last, Lars, is it worse to do what Verratti does, which, as you say, is exactly what it says on the tin, or Munier, who's suspended for the second game having not realised he was on the booking going into this Th- one. That's not ideal. Where was Shreves? <laughs> had Shreves in a half time, just sort of reminding him. But no, Andy, again, not to lean too hard into this, but working at the game, I want to know who said, who threw the medical staff under the bus first? Was it Neymar or was it Tuchel? Because that's kind of interesting to me. Tuchel before the game. Okay. Neymar really? afterwards. Because when you said, I hadn't noticed that Tuchel also joined in with that criticism. So I kind of assumed that that was... Well, he put it He put it a different way. He's like, well, I, I would have loved to play him against Lyon a couple of weeks ago, but the medical staff said no, so it's a no. Yeah, okay. But it, it makes sense for him anyway. It's not, to... not quite Pep and Muller Volfar anyway. No, but, exactly, you know, exactly. he, do, he does like to stand on the shoulder of giants, that's for sure. <laughs> 
Puyol, 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 pu, 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 Puyol, que besa el brazalete, Capitán Puyol. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, Holland famously didn't go to Leipzig last because he was told he wouldn't get a game. I'm sure that's not the only reason. Uh, not but, entirely <laughs> like that. I but but uh, I think he would have Jose Mourinho in his corner because Mourinho was moaning afterwards about the strength in depth that Leipzig have. Whether Mourinho is entirely justified in that extraordinary run is a, a different question, and we'll get to medical jokers now. One's not available to Spurs in it in in a little bit. Medical joker, such a funny term. I know we're getting to it later, but it's a great word. It reminds me of it is brilliant. You know when when Inter a couple of years ago, a few years ago, had like a complete striker crisis outside of the transfer window. They were they had like no forwards, so they were just looking around for a striker with a pulse. And uh, there was they they brought in uh, John Carew on a trial. Like Carew, who had been released from West Ham a few months earlier you know was, what? was brought in for a trial he was going to train with them for a bit didn't get past the medical they had him on the medical they thought actually John you know <laughs> we might not do this is that right? a medical joker cool because for a minute I was a bit I was a bit concerned when you started that story that you were going to say either Roy Essendo or Shevki Kuchi <laughs> and you didn't say either of those so I, I, I feel I feel pretty happy um, but in, in terms of organising what you actually do have I mean Leipzig have a lot of injuries of their own what they were down to Ethan Ampadu and two fullbacks as their as their back three that, that's what I was thinking like when Mourinho was making his uh, his complaints as you would expect him to make after losing a game uh, like <laughs> Leipzig had basically no centre halves well, with apologies to Ethan Ampadu who's very very promising but he hasn't played a lot this season well you could see that he was on his arse by the end exactly right and, and they, the rest of them were sort of fullbacks filling in and it, it was a really bad situation for them as well uh, I think put it this way if Mourinho was in charge of a team that had Konate and Upamarkano out, we would not hear the end of it. No, that that is that is absolutely true. But talking of the comparison between Mourinho and, and Nagelsmann, David, our friend Miguel Delaney wrote something uh, for The Independent today um, where it went with a great line, a football 2004 versus football 2020. How much does that say of it? And can we take Jose Mourinho seriously in the Champions League knockouts anymore? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Um, I think for quite some time now, it's been fairly evident that Mourinho isn't on that top, top level anymore. Um, I don't think he's progressed as a coach. I think last night was further evidence to that. Um, yes, he had his injuries, but it was still the same old Mourinho way. I think, you know, you're at home, you're against the Leipzig side with the, obviously the problems that we've just mentioned and the fact that they're generally, they're new to this competition in these surroundings. 
what, uh, there wasn't there wasn't much sign of experience or nous there from from Spurs, um, and I think Mourinho has to instill that. If there's something he's going to instill, I think if if tactically he isn't going to be a threat anymore, then he at least has to use his experiences now. And he didn't do that. I think a lot more could have been done. What could they have done a, a bit better? I, I mean, we look at Spurs last year, and um, you know they they pressed on yep. Dortmund a, a little bit more. Is mm. this something that would have worked with Leipzig with their difficulties at the back? I mean, you know, we talk we talk about um, how Spurs are light up front, but there's no doubt that players like Lucas Bergwijn, to a lesser extent, Deli Ali, and mm. I, I think you know people have talked about Deli Ali, and I'm, I'm sure the the Ramble boys will get onto it tomorrow, but. Um, he to me seemed a little bit lost by the way Mourinho had set up tactically and a little bit wasted. But there's no doubt for whether whatever you think about Bergwijn, who has played as a centre forward quite a lot this season for PSV, and Lucas chasing long balls, they can definitely press those defenders. Can't exactly, they? they can they can play more expansively. They can play a different way. Look, he, he wasn't. You acting the people are acting like he he, he was putting the reserves out. There wasn't. There was that was still a decent side where he put out. No, it was a good. It cost side. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it was a good side that cost a lot of money out there. Um, and a lot more could have always been done. It's easy to say you don't have this, you don't have that. You make you know people do more with you know with less resources. Put it that way. They could have played far more expansively. And like you say, the style of football. You, you mentioned about the long balls to those players why this is what I mean about being archaic about him not progressing as a coach he could have played a different way but I don't think he's got that other way of playing but what about Nagelsmann I mean you can see someone who not only has a tactical tactical plan Lars but someone who has a discernible effect on individual players that he coaches I mean Patrick Schick for example is a great example he was terrific in the first half especially yeah and I thought that was a big call starting with him over Yusuf Poulsen who's mm. a more experienced player and a guy who's more used to being the foil for Timo Werner there but Schick was very very good they click then, quite nicely and, don't they yeah and I thought, I thought it was interesting watching Angelino who just, who's been there for about five minutes and, and who looked like fully integrated into the team like he knew his job like he knew where his teammates yeah, consi- were considering they've got a very specific way of playing you know there's probably a lot yeah, to take yeah, in yeah, as well yeah. like you say yeah he's, he's undertaken that I, I thought that was quite remarkable and you know not to go too much on about Tottenham but I think they've got quite a mobile backline Tottenham there's not a lot of slow guys there like Davies Alderweireld can still run a bit Sanchez is quick and Aurier is quick mm. they don't have midfielders like when they're starting with Winks and Los Elso in the middle they don't really have guys who are great at harrying and, and kicking people mm. I'm not sure sitting deep is the most sensible exactly. not, I'm not sure st- that's the obvious call here surely you'd like to have a bit of possession with yeah, these did, guys. Did, did Zabitzer look like the best midfielder in this game? Well, yes, you can for sure. I'd, I'd say that, and I guess what Mourinho will have been worried about is having Nkunku and Werner running at you. I mean, that's not exactly where you want to be. But yeah, yeah, no, I was about to say, yeah, I think he was the best midfielder by far. But but he he knew his role. He knew exactly what Nagelsmann played to the strengths of the players that he had. Mourinho didn't put it that way. I think, like you say, you make a great point. You know, you've got those sort of players. You're playing Winks and Lucelso, then you should have played more expansively. You should have played more positively. But there was that adaptability, wasn't there, as well? And whether that's on Nagelsmann personally or how he drilled the players, was when Tottenham were putting the pressure on in the closing stage of the game, they did switch quite discernibly Leipzig from three to five, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And you saw that with Angelino, and, who was brilliant coming forward, and mm-hmm. Mukiele, who's also got that size, side to mm-hmm. their game. They could defend as well. Yeah. Couldn't they? And that's what the best managers do. You coach your team to be to make it adaptable, to be it flexible. That's this is why I'm saying Mourinho is no longer in the top rung of managers because his teams don't play that way anymore. They're not flexible nor adaptable. Do you think he'll make an excuse? Oh, a player hasn't been here long. Um, he doesn't really know the system yet. Nagelsmann's not going to say that like you say about Angelino that he comes in he learns and this is the difference right now the only thing I would say about Mourinho is that without wanting to come over all Jonathan Wilson here I mean tactics are cyclical right Mm. I mean one tactical trend always happens as a result a reaction to another and with the sort of high press uh, being very much the the style preferred by most of the top teams Mm -hmm. I do wonder if if the sort of slightly more direct long ball teams will, will make a resurgence at some point because that means I mean, that is a logical evolution of that. If you, if a lot of good teams press high and make it hard for you to play out from the back and make it hard for you to build your play, the, the logical counter move is to just play the ball over the press. Wasn't so that maybe, largely what Leicester did in the Premier So maybe League. it's like my beard. So like it, it was trendy, <laughs> then it went completely out of style. And I didn't change it because I'm just lazy. And then it became trendy again. So maybe that will be the Mourinho thing. Maybe his tactics will become efficient once more. Oh, 
equipo del mundo. Gol del líder de la liga. One guy is definitely on top of his game, on top of his coaching game is Gian Piero Gasparini. Oh my uh, God. He had his own defensive issues this week for the game against Valencia with uh, Vedat Gimciti pulling out in the minutes before the game after picking up an injury in the warm-up. So the returned Mattia Caldera had to do his warm-up during the game. I mean, David, if you're going to do your warming up during the game, I mean, the coach is telling you, let's play the game at the other end so Mattia can get loose. Yeah. And that's exactly what Atalanta did, conforming to type. How is it, that especially after such a poor start, to their Champions League campaign, well, certainly in terms of results, I think that the, the content was there in terms of performances. Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, they're doing exactly what they do in Serie A in the Champions League. How much of that is down to Atalanta and how much of that is down to Valencia? I think a lot has to do with Atalanta. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from this performance. It was very bold, bright. It, it was refreshing. It was nice to see. They're, they are a team, um, Gasparini is a coach that you know focuses on his team first and foremost. He doesn't look at the opposition. He he, he plays to you know that that's I think that's how you should go about things. You know I think a lot of managers become too bogged down with what the opponent is doing. It's how big teams play, isn't it? Yeah, and they're becoming a big team. I mean, for me, I had the feeling that this is a team, and it's not just because they they beat Roma earlier mm -hmm. in the week, so now they're six points clear of Roma in fourth place in Serie A. Mm -hmm. I have the feeling this is a team that we're going to see again and again and again in the Champions League. They're going to rattle a lot of teams. You know, you know, some teams rattle others by playing defensively, like we spoke about with Aleti. Other teams play because they just don't have any fear. They have nothing to lose, really. Atlanta's in this competition. Um, you know, they've come into it with such a great attitude. Um, they'll probably see off Valencia, I think. Um, and they'll go on and, and you know not many teams will want to play them I know it'll be the oh they leave gaps and they do Valencia had their chances as well but nobody will want to play Atlanta because of the way the, the freedom with they play with the the movement was was fantastic I think it's such a basic principle when you have passed the ball to always move and make sure that you leave a space you, you know to, to receive the ball back again or to create an angle for a teammate and that was the primary reason for them winning that game last night they, they created space out of nowhere um, 44,000 fans coming over from Bergamo to San Siro, which I think roughly equates to a third of the population of Bergamo. Good night for uh, house burglars yeah, in, no. <laughs> in, in, in Bergamo. The Bergamo possibly. crew, all really wealthy Fully today. <laughs> but I just think it's remarkable. With, with Atlanta, so there is this annoying uh, phrase in football marketing that I think is, you're starting to see more and more, which is this sort of, we don't buy superstars, we make them. And, and it, it's something Wenger once said, you know, Dortmund had this, they put this on their social media account with, with Aling Holland, which I think was like, guys, you bought him like a few weeks ago. And, then, <laughs> and you, you, Liverpool have said that as well, in spite of their spending record being quite formidable. But, but look at Atalanta and like you have this, I mean, you could call it a midfield four if you want, even if they're wingbacks. You have like Gosens, Remo Freuler, Martin Duron and Hatterbor. Like that, that's a team that's not really bought superstars, but are, are making them. This is a squad of players who are, you know, a lot of these guys will, are not of, were not a very, very, very big reputation when they came into that. But, but it's Gasper, not making them, it's remaking them, isn't well, it? Well, in like, the case like of like Ilicic, like Ilicic, 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 and, Ilicic and Papu yeah. Gomez, these sort of guys yeah. who just in the system that Gasparini plays is, is thriving. And I think there, there, there's a, there's a comparison to in in a sense to what Sheffield United are doing, and says I just think that the shape Atalanta play in just catch teams a little bit off guard. It's just players turn up in areas where you don't really expect them to be. It's that movement, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the movement is just remarkable when you, you the way you see each other looking about. For, I know it's, again, it sounds such a basic thing. Okay, everybody passes and moves, but they don't. I think a lot of teams are very static these days, and they don't think about that level. It's, it's interesting as well. I was thinking with that uh, first Ilicic goal, um, but the second goal wasn't it. Um, if you're a defensive coach or a defender who's a pundit, you're saying to, I think it was Mangala who's on him, who didn't obviously have the best game, see him onto his right foot, see him onto his right foot. Well, they did see him onto his right foot <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it, it, didn't, it didn't really work out. No. But I know you've been quite critical of Albert Thalades, mm. uh, David. He didn't really help his team here, did he? No, I mean, I have been for a number of years, even when he was with Spin under 21 and he had success with them. He was pinned up by such a magnificent generation that consisted of Asensio, Isco, eh, sorry, Asensio, Ceballos, yeah. and, and several years Saul as well, who we've also discussed. Um, and, and yeah, he's, he doesn't strike me as a great tactician nor motivator. 
Um, and I think he's very much pinned up by the individuals uh, that he has. And I think he he relies very heavily, I think, in this Valencia side on Parejo, uh, for instance. And I think if he doesn't work, then that's when they look out of sorts. For instance, uh, Gonzalo Guedes hasn't kicked on at all under him. He seems to be really, really struggling. Well, th- that's right. When he arrived for that first half season, he was absolutely fantastic. Yep. They were talking about um, PSG maybe wanting to hold on to him so they could sell him directly to Barcelona or Real Madrid because yep. he was making that much of an impression in La Liga. I mean, as you say, he had his little moments last night, but the, the match stats are quite misleading, aren't they? Yeah, because so. uh, most of those chances Atalanta that were against Atalanta were when they were 4-0 up or, or, already. Yeah, they? and even then, that, this is the thing, when they were 4-0 up, Atlanta were still looking for more goals. They took off mm. a centre-back in the 75th minute, put a striker on. They wanted to get six. They could see there was an opportunity to get maybe five, six goals here. Well, they looked pissed off at the end, didn't they? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You, you, had Gallini, you had Gallini, the goalkeeper, having a go at, at the other stuff. Yep. They all looked fairly glum, yeah. considering it was like probably one of the best nights in the history of the club. Absolutely. And then Valencia's chances arrive purely because Atlanta do leave gaps. And mm. that's just how it is. Valencia weren't exactly cutting Atlanta open. You, you know, that wasn't the case at all. Gasparini was well aware that they're going to leave uh, gaps in there but Valencia didn't profit for them and and oh, that's how you go you know where we lead the way from other pods it's that we do the unexpected so we're going to go with a, a transfer news section no but it's all we down I think my John Carew anecdote was an unexpected <laughs> departure <laughs> didn't expect Carew to pop up this week <laughs> well we're, we're able to thanks to the Scandinavians yep. Lars not just you you can't take all the credit mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Martin Brathwaite is off to Barcelona. You know what? We, we've That's got a, a surprise to him as well, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think it is. Well, um, Barcelona are, are taking up uh, the Leganes strikers' uh, 18 million buyout clause. They're able to do this outside the transfer window because, David, we're going to have to have a brief explainer because the medical joker, as we were talking about earlier, it's, it's the French it's phrase. It's an inherently it? funny you, phrase. You play, you play your joker because if a player is the victim of long-term injury, like Moussa Dembélé has, has, has been. Um, it means you can bring it in someone from, in this case, Spain, yep. the, the same country, or a free agent uh, outside the transfer window. You can always bring out in free agents outside mm-hmm. the transfer window, of course. Now, this is not a situation that, as some have suggested, is biased in favour of Barcelona. No, because other, other other teams in, in the league have already done this this season. Other yep. teams in the league have already and done Valencia, this And Valencia, we might have another case. Valencia are also considering it to replace Garay, who is right. now out for five to six months. So they're looking at that situation as well. Oh, I can't wait to see who's going to suffer. God, I hope they don't go to Leganes for a centre. <laughs> I, I suppose that's fairly <laughs> unlikely, isn't it? Isn't it? But that, that, would, that would be really, oh, just, just, really harsh. What's but, the release clause for the Getafe guys? That would be funny. Yeah, quite cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of like, you can use your medical joker, trigger the release clause of a centre half of a direct comp- competitor in the Champions League race. Oh, that would be a boss move. You're an evil man. Yeah. Of, of, of course, Espanyol have already taken away Leandro Cabrera by paying his buyout clause, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's something that's helped to transform Espanyol's um, fortunes in, in this, uh, you know, they're back in the, the, the race to, to stay up. That was actually in the transfer window. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell us how the Brathwaite thing went down, David, because him and Barcelona have been speaking since the closing days of the transfer window. So this is something that's surprising to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but it's not come out of the blue for Brathwaite himself. No, absolutely not. And, and Kika said the end requested Brathwaite particularly as well. He wanted somebody a bit more physical uh, in attack. Um, I think the, a few people at Barcelona were insisting on Angel from Hetafe. Um, another cheap buyout clause. Uh, yeah, another cheap buyout clause. Mm. Yeah, ruin their season, why not? Um, so so yeah, it's come about like this in, in, in terms of... It, it's. Yeah, people people have to understand this rule does exist because I, I wish I had a really really good explanation of this. But other than Spain is different, <laughs> um, yeah. and that's that's pretty much why. I mean, what makes it different as as compared to France and its situation with medical jokers is there is a buyout clause. So Legan, yeah. Leganes are not all players have buyout clauses, and Leganes just like they were in transfer window mm-hmm. with. And Naziri, who ended up going off to Sevilla, Sevilla for yeah. twenty million, mm. they are not in a position 
to refuse. That's what leaves Leganes in such a vulnerable position. Yep. They've lost two of their front players and they're, they're not allowed to replace outside of transfer. Exactly. And then they're, they're not in a position to, to get, you know, to, to say no to those offers. Even if they, even if an offer did arrive, that you know, the, these clubs need that money in to come on to, to survive as well. And so they're going to take this, this risk now is, you know, that they can potentially stay up, you know, without those strikers that, you know, that they, they their main strikers they had. And it's, it is, it's a sad situation for Leganes. It really, really is, and it's a silly rule, and it should be done with, done away with immediately because it can destroy their season. How would you, how would you adjust it? it just you're only able to sign free agents out of out of transfer window. I just don't think this rule should exist. You should just, it just should not exist. You shouldn't be allowed to sign free transfer players either. You should go from maybe your reserves. You should. It's a better squad planning. Lagana's primarily Lagana's are suffering because of Barcelona's poor squad planning. Barcelona got rid of strikers. Abel Ruiz, who was a big talent in there, you know, he's gone out to De Braga mm-hmm. on loan. So why didn't they keep him? You know, Carles Perez, who went to Roma as well. So their planning should have been better. And Leganes are suffering for it. And I think that's the saddest thing above all. No, the same thing. I think if you're going to have that rule, it's a, having the rule is not a huge problem in itself, but having that and release clauses is a problem. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think. it's the combination. It, isn't it? It's if Leganes was like, all right, we'll take the money, fair enough. But you're you're not giving them a choice. Yeah. And last thing I read was that they'd applied if they they could be able to 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 replace them in the Spanish FA. Have apparently turned them down. Which yeah, is, and, and rightly so. Which is quite yeah, because that creates in, yeah, but it does leave them in a hopeless position because. Uh, Maybe there are clubs out there who would be happy to sell them a striker, but you know, not many. I think it creates such a dangerous precedent. Like I said to you before we came on, you know what, what happens then? The Laganas go, "All right, Kadith, we want to take your main striker," and Kadith are currently fighting to get promotion. And then where do Kadith go after that? They maybe go and play. And it, it, it's, it's a vicious, vicious mm-hmm. cycle, and, and it goes. It could go on and on, quite frankly, with no end. Um, and it could end up being ridiculous, which would suit Spanish football very, very well. <laughs> well, either way, I, I would like to just on Barcelona's behalf retort to the idea of uh, poor planning and uh, the like in the week that um, President Bartomeu uh, was revealed, to, <laughs> which he has denied, um, had a social media campaign in his favour, which... Uh, Tore, tore off Messi and uh, PK and, and and other players. Uh, Leo Messi has, has come out and said it's, it's very strange. It's not the strangest thing that's happened at Barcelona at, at a board level, is it? Absolutely not. I mean, as a club from, from top to bottom, they are well and truly in the mud. Um, it's it's very strange to see Barcelona, a, a, a club uh, that have such a clear philosophy or, or used to have such a clear philosophy, be... You know they're being operated in this manner right now uh, by by Bartomeu and uh, his um, his burner accounts on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> another little Kevin Durant nod there. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just really really bizarre goings on, and it's so far removed. Um, you know of, of this Cruyff philosophy of everything that's being put in place at Barcelona. I think, and it's it's been gradually ripped up piece by piece. I would love to think that Bartomeu is sitting there in his office with his feet on the table going, yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. Check me out. (laughs) Right, games of the week. What have we got, fellas? Well, <laughs> I do have one, but I don't want to go first. No, I'll go first. Then. Okay. In in danger of becoming typecast on the football ramble, I've gone for another Hatafe game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it had to be done. So I'm a proponent of shithousery, so you know I've got to back the the pioneers in this. Um, it's all about promoting your personal brand these days, isn't it? Exactly. I've, I'm sitting here with a uh, with a Sergio Ramos coaster. <laughs> with a with a player on the floor in agony, on after, brand. yeah, clearly, on brand, yeah, yeah. After um, he's clearly Paul Axe somebody. Anyway, Hedafe <laughs> Sevilla um, in a in a battle at the at the top of La Liga. Um, I think it's interest made interesting by the fact that both have got Europa League commitments. So it'll be interesting to see who's who's got the the squad depth, what changes are made, and uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a really really tough game for both sides coming off the back of those European games and dealing with the pressure uh, at the top of La Liga, and in, in, it's a it's a new position for Tafi to be in as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they come off the back of a Europa League game against Ajax as well. Uh, yeah, a, big a, one. A, a clash of styles there. If, if there ever you was could, one, you could say where 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 and when can people watch it? 
the uh, that will be on Premier Sports, I think it is. Sorry, I always get mixed up with uh, La Liga these days in terms of the rights because they're, <laughs> they're just everywhere. But yes, it's Premier Sports that'll be on uh, on Sunday afternoon. I, I, I might see if I can watch this just for a, a chance to watch Jorge Molina again, who is 105 years old, who is still is having this extraordinary run as scoring goals for Getafe. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a renaissance um, of sorts. Um, 55 goals he scored in La Liga. 50 of them have come since turning 30. Wow. Yeah, which, which, is, which, is, which is pretty ridiculous. incredible. Could, uh, if we were using a verb, would we say he'd adereased it? <laughs> we would, wouldn't he? We might. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on from that poor use of language. Uh, and uh, last, please. So I'm, I'm going to go slightly left field with this in the sense that we often pick like the biggest teams against each other or the spiciest derby. Mm. On, on Friday night, I, I want to, well... Uh, private life permitting I, I, I desperately want to watch uh, <laughs> I want to watch Real Betis versus Mallorca oh. and the reason for this is first of all you should always watch Betis uh, Fakir is back from suspension I'm yes. sure, sure he has a point to prove uh, or maybe he'll get it, talk himself off the pitch again we'll see exciting times but no I'm intrigued by Mallorca's uh, <laughs> tireless quest for some sort of result away from home uh, you rarely see this that we get into uh, we're, we're almost into March now and Mallorca have yet to win away from home they've played 11 games away from home in La Liga they've picked up one point from those 11 this is a truly rubbish uh, record on the league uh, on the road they have another chance here going to Seville uh, playing against Betis um, we'll see if they can do it this time Nice. Well, you know what? I'm going to go for a derby anyway. And there's a good Bundesliga Fire derby, which is oh. on on Saturday midday. So you'll probably just be crawling out of bread and having a toasted sandwich, I would imagine. Not that I'm assuming anything about you listeners. Having a hangover from the Betis uh, Mallorca. Well, that's going to be a wild night. Fireworks. Especially yeah. if uh, a Fekir gets it going. Um, <laughs> 12 midday. On Saturday, it's on BT Sport, Hamburg versus St. Pauli. Very good. And uh, St. Pauli beat Hamburg at uh, Millentor in the re- uh, reverse fixture uh, back in autumn for the first time in a very, very long time. Well, it was the first, first time in a couple of decades at, at Millentor. They've since um, beaten them on the on the road um, at uh, Volkspark Stadion. Last time they were up in a top flight, actually. And... Um, well, that, that bizarrely, which came at about the same time of the season, had a really adverse effect because when Gerald Asamoah scored that goal and they won at Volks Park, St. Pauli, they spent so long celebrating it that they essentially got themselves relegated. After. <laughs> so uh, the same thing could happen this season, but they would end up in the in the in the dritter in the third tier, which would uh, be pretty terrible because they're battling against relegation and Hamburg, obviously, at their second attempt, trying to come back up with their top flight uh, unbroken run having come to an end. And I still don't think Danny Kelly has got his hands on that ticking clock. This was a Stakhanov production.